At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and dark, stands Castle Greyskull. For countless ages, the sorceress of Greyskull has kept this universe in harmony. But the armies of darkness do not rest, and the capture of Greyskull is evermost in their minds. For those that control Greyskull will come the power, the power to be supreme, the power to be almighty, the power to be masters of the universe! Yeah, this is Rebels Without a Clear! God, what was that intro? It was great. <laughs> it was fucking three epic. <laughs> and welcome to the show, guys. Um, this is Rebels Without a Clue, obviously, thanks to good old Skeleton. I'm Brad. The plug in. Um, I'm Tony. And uh, this week we've got a special guest with us um, for our first time over, I guess, remote recording. Yeah, we've got uh, from Generation Random, not only just the show, but also the network. Uh, we've got our good old friend Chris in with us tonight. How you doing, bud? G'day, guys. Uh, thanks very much for being here. It fucking feels, uh, feels amazing being with you guys. Uh, I listen to the show. <laughs> fanboy, fanboy. I'm here as a fan as well. <laughs> would this be fair to say that this was the first, uh, I guess, Look, if we want to classify as a fan, I'll give him that. But, like... Until we have someone who genuinely we meet walking around on the street and who says, oh, my God, that's Brad and Tony, that's when I know I've made it in podcasting. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. The problem with, the problem with that, Brad, is that Tony will get noticed uh, before you do. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, because I'm like a gargantuan head. Well, he looks like a troll. You look like a normal person. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> when Tony starts making Yeti noises. <laughs> going to be like, what the fuck's that troll doing out from under his bridge? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And suddenly, boom, boom, and Jurassic Park water would start. <laughs> and then oh, Tony, Tony. Tony's purpose of actually leaving his bridge was just to capture a few more young girls to take back under the bridge. Oh, for God's sake, not that again. <laughs> not that again. So what's happened in the past? No, let's, you just keep mentioning it. Let, let, let's just let's just clarify. Girls of legal age. No, 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 no. Well, I'm talking about uh, under eight. Oh, God, God. Fair enough. You I know, I was heading down that path. You fucking god damn it. Um. All right. Well, before we move on to greater and grander things, I'll just uh, get the formalities out of the way. So, if you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe to us on. Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, or whatever other podcast platform you use. Podcast. Also, follow us on our social <laughs> medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a 1, Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. And you could also join with us and many others on the Generation Random Network Facebook page as well. And speaking of which, Chris, um, tell us, do you want to give us a bit of a spiel about the. Uh, not only just your show, but also the Generation Random Network. Yeah, uh, I started. Uh, I started the podcast Generation uh, Random, which uh, entails in viewing random 
people, I guess, not just celebrities, but uh, just random people. I mean, you can't get any more random than Tony. He was on the show. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I go out in the street and talk to the man on the street sometimes. So a few of them episodes are coming up. But uh, I had a I had a bit of an idea that I had a lot of friends who were streamers that weren't um, they weren't going so well, and then. Uh, I, had, I had friends in you guys who do podcasts and everything, and I just thought, you know, with everybody um, getting together and kind of cross-promotion, I think we can grow as a family, and it's been really good. Um, the, the streamers are now both Twitch affiliates. Um, they've got a massive following now, both of them. Uh, everyone's on Discord. You guys are you guys are going awesome as well uh and then i've i've brought in two new shows um up uh, thanks uh thanks but no thanks which is kind of a a subtle ode to you to you guys <laughs> to be honest um you know i loved i loved what you guys did so i me and my dad uh do a do a podcast where we give each other shitty movies <laughs> um, you know movies and music albums that we know each other won't like and we have to watch them so uh the first episode will come out um, soon, but I gave him Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> my dad, my dad's in his 60s, so you can imagine. Oh, what no. Um, <laughs> Brad, I would love to see your old man's reaction to Freddy Got Fingered. My dad would turn it off in five minutes and go, you're a dickhead. Well, that's pretty much how it went. My dad ended up watching the my, – my dad's a trooper and he's professional, so he watched the whole damn thing. I gave him Yeezus, Kanye's West Yeezus to listen to as well. The only thing I was frightened of is when my dad's going through lyrics, uh, he was going to drop the N-word. But not good, not good on him, he didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done, Dad. Uh, and then the other one, which uh, will be premiering not long after you put this one out, which is Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. So the first episode will be premiering. That's more of a <laughs> not safe. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much everything I can't say on the other two podcasts I say on this one. So if you easily offend it, um, yeah, don't listen. <laughs> well, I think if they can put up, if people have been putting up with mine and Brad's antics up until this point, I think they'll be able to handle dirty rotten scoundrels. Yeah, yeah, I think if you like if you like this show, if you like Brad and uh, Brad and Tony's humor, um, you'll absolutely uh, you'll absolutely love uh, dirty rotten scoundrels. The fact that I brought in Tony capturing and kidnapping eight year old girls uh, within the first five minutes is just an in indicative of kind of the style of humor that we roll. Yeah, it's it's similar to the point that I made to Chris a while ago when we were discussing this sort of tone was just all I had to reference was the Rumble in the Bronx episode. Do you know what? It, it's kind of the first episode that I put out to people. If people are like, what do I listen to to get a good indication of what you guys are about? I'm like, Rumble in the Bronx. And after listening to it, they're like, God, you guys are funny, but you are really fucked up. <laughs> Especially uh, when you go on about your mate Danny. Uh, Danny, in traffic, mate. <laughs> I'm going to push you in traffic. That's all I know. Give me the diamonds out of your seat, and I'm going to push you into traffic. Simple. <laughs> Look, we've we've uh, we've already recorded two episodes, so we've got the first one going up, and the second one, Tony actually joined us, and that got really wild. That uh, that episode, um, a little bit, <laughs> just a bit. I'm I'm still editing it, and I'm uh, I'm worried about some parts, especially the end part. I'm not sure if I'm going to leave that in or not. Um, <laughs> I think I'm in trouble. Definitely. 
uh, into a lot of trouble with the way the world is right now. But um, I'd love you to come on, Brad, and uh, share your thoughts on uh, on everything as well. But uh, mate, I'm uh, I'm excited to be here with you two boys and, uh, and and do Rebels without a clue. Amazing. Fuck yeah! All right. Well, shall we get into shall we get into this? Yes, I am very very keen on this one. I think we all are very very keen, especially for. Um, I guess a topic that came in last minute. Wait, but before we go on, can we talk about the process of how we arrived at this point? Uh, okay, if you, you want to take the, give the rundown on this one. Okay. So Tony and Chris come up with the consensus of the idea of watching Hercules Returns. Now, I don't know if anyone has attempted to watch this, but do not do this. It, I cannot suggest you enough. I don't care how much of a connoisseur of Australian cinema you think you are. You are not prepared for this. This will t- suck out the life out of your soul within five minutes of viewing it. I messaged Tony 10 minutes in and I'm gone. What have I done to myself here? What, I'm not going to get through this. This is burning me from the start. Well, but I'll, again, I'll you, it's a personal you, preference. We're, si- we're sitting there, we're playing, we're, uh, we're interacting with each other over Xbox, playing a bit of a game, and we're talking about tonight, and we're like, all right, you're, I've watched, he goes, I've watched it, yeah, there's some funny parts, blah, 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 and I'm like, because I love the film, um, mm-hmm. and I've seen your, your, your view, and it's not for everyone, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very, it's not everyone's cup of tea, and I... <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's my humor. It's that's how weird and fucking shift that my humor is. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then I'm going. All right, we ready for this? Uh, we ready for this? As Brad watched it, and he goes, um, "As of ten minutes ago, here is the <laughs> that Brad sent," and he's like, uh, "Blah blah blah," and all that was. I fucking hate it. I'm not fucking watching it. This piece of shit is fucked. <laughs> and I was like. Okay, I, I can understand. I can understand. All right, let's not do it. Let's you know, let's not let's not let's not put the men through shit. All right, because you know what, my, my thing was initially when we talked about it, I was like, all right, I'll give it a chance. So I sat down, started watching it, and I'm like, I don't know what I could say about this other than how much I didn't enjoy it. Like, did you get? But did you get into the actual funny bit of the movie? Because the first half an hour is really. 15, yeah, no, no, no. I got into 56 minutes of it I watched and I sat there kind of just with a blank stare. And, like, you know, I nose laughed a couple times, but that was the extent of my humour on it. Hold on, hold on. Did, it, did you at least nose laugh at, what was it? Uh, you couldn't organise a fart at a curry eating contest. Yes. that that I knew you would have laughed your ass off when you heard that. that. that all, with uh, all those muscles, he looks like a condom full of walnuts. What about, what about, huh, I'm always saving young virgins. Virgin? I'm not a virgin. I've seen more knobs. I've seen more knobs than a locksmith. <laughs> and get your left hand off my tit and put me down. But I think the <laughs> introduction of Samson was kind of where I laughed a little bit with the voice that he had. That's what set me off. Samson, yeah, Dave, have you seen me? Have you seen me whip? <laughs> <laughs> I like, you're fucking, you're holding in that little bloody box again, aren't you? Uh, I could go on. Hey, I could go on. So. So once that sort of idea got shot to shit, uh, I sort of racked my brain to think, oh, fuck, what else can we do? There was, a few we do? Movie, there was a few movies. That- and, then, and then we started discussing, we were just talking shit over Xbox. 
And the topic of He-Man came up and I sort of questioned Chris. I'm like, yeah, like about He-Man and fe- was a fan. I'm like, all right, bang, there we go. Lightning bolt, message Brad straight away. What about Masters of the Universe? Bang, I'm in. Chris, what do you reckon? Bang, he's in, done. And here we have this week's episode, Masters of the Universe. And what an episode and what a movie. Oh, <laughs> so much to be said about this movie. Where do you even begin? Uh, well, I'm going to begin oh. by saying I get half a chub every time Dolph Ludgren's on the fucking screen. He was exceptionally pretty in this movie. Not just pretty, oh. but he was an absolute unit. Oh, dude, absolute. Was he, he was in peak physical condition in this movie. The bod was rocking. Was he more ripped than when he was in Rocky? I think about the same. Yeah, I'd say although, about although the same. I think, although I think for He-Man, he, was, he bulked up a bit more, whereas in Rocky, he was a bit more lean. Yeah, mm. I think whereas, Rocky whereas was shredded. Master of the Universe, he was just, yeah, exactly. In Master of the Universe, he was just mass. Yeah, he was, he was just a, a big unit. He was a large man. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? It's credit because, I mean, as far as a casting choice, personally, I think he was spot on as, like, for the looks. Like, look-wise, spot on. Look-wise? He was great cast for him. And I suppose in the time of, like, 80s movies, he was that kind of a real pinnacle piece of perfect specimen to represent that kind of action hero as well. Like, like you yeah. said, he had the look. He had the physique. Don't get me wrong, like his acting chops aren't spectacular, but yeah. you don't need to do diverse acting ability for a role like that. Exactly right. And you know what? <laughs> he was great look-wise. It just ruined it as soon as he opened his mouth. Just like, oh, oh. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Step- oh, that voice is just horrible. That one scene horrible. when they're on the rooftop and he's like, Teela, I have no choice. This is our fight. I don't want to see people to die. And I was like, oh, God, that line really sticks with me. I was, with really, you I, was really waiting, I was really waiting for Skeletor to go, you know, give up or they die. And I was waiting for him to turn around and go, if they die, they die. No. no. <laughs> Come on. He-Man would never say something like that. You know he wouldn't. No. He-Man instills hope in all of us. Fucking uh, oath. For not just us Earthlings, but every attorney and us there. mere mortals. You know what I was really, you know what I was really disappointed about with the film, though. Mm. There was not enough homoerotica. I mean, if, if you, you watch, what were you searching for? I don't know. If you watch the cartoon, Prince Adam is pretty gay. But that's the point. It's the whole. I guess it's the whole Superman. I guess Superman Clark Kent mythos, where you have. Let's say Prince Adam, for example, who's supposed to be like a weak, meek, meek sort of, you know, like you wouldn't expect him to be He Man. Like, obviously, for Wait, the time being, say it right. Say it right. Huh? Say it right. He Man. So you wouldn't expect him to be He Man. <laughs> um, yeah. And then when the transformation happens, it's who he truly is, but you wouldn't be able to tell for, that he was Prince Adam. Obviously, for the time being, with the animation the way it was, you could tell it's the same fucking person, just a different color scheme. Well, that's that's right. That's pretty much like Clark Kent and Superman. All that was it was just less the glasses. Yeah. Obviously, later on with time, they advanced that a bit more and made him actually look like his demeanor was different. His body, his body language was different. 
a lot less spoken, that sort of thing. So you actually had the big difference between Clark Kent and Superman. And I think that's the same thing they tried to do between Prince Adam and He-Man, although just, again, the drawings and the animation just wasn't there. Mm. No. No, I wasn't feeling but at that. Least, but at least in this one, we didn't enter the whole Prince Adam thing in this movie at all. Yeah, is that he a, was just a He-Man. Do you think that was a good thing, that they didn't address the Prince Adam thing? Or do you think just having him as He-Man? Because Prince Adam's a massive part of of He-Man, and for not to even address that in the movie, um, you know, is, is, a, is a big omission, you know what I mean? Well, I think it's a good thing that they didn't include Prince Adam because you couldn't just have Prince Adam without adding the rest of the royal family, right? Because there's no mention of King Randor and, um, and the Queen, but there's no mention of that royal family at all. It's just the Sorceress, Castle Grayskull, He-Man, Skeletor, and, well, and I suppose what you, when you think about it, effectively they're just incorporating the main focal points. Like when people are going to go see a He-Man movie, they're the characters that they're primarily going to want to focus on. That's true. Like there's no need to have a convoluted storyline of all these different arcs and be like, okay, what's happening here and what's happening here? And I think that was kind of the focus and the elegance of 80s kind of not superhero but like you know that kind of um action star where it was a very linear progress of a storyline you didn't need to have this complex idea in your head of what's happening here and what's going on here and what's with this character development you went there you watched it for action it had a simplified plot line and it was easy to get through that's very true then where the hell battle cat Oh, That's one thing yes, I'm disappointed with. Yes, no Battle Cat. Yes. That was that, it, that was sad. But can you imagine trying to do CGI for Battle Cat? Exactly. It because been when He Man was on um the Centurion's glider thing oh, floating through God. the air, it's not one of his proudest moments. I'm sorry. Oh, it's that was so bad. Yeah, that was so horrible. so bad. Horrible. There's actually yeah. there's actually people saying, oh, when he turns upside down, why isn't his hair flowing back? Because he's on a gravity plate. His hair yeah, that's a good down. point. So good when he point. turns up, if his hair would go down, he would go down. It's a gravity plate, people. It's not a goof in the movie. It's, but it was like... And it's not even that. It's 80s. Yeah. Like, what do you want for the time? Yeah. That's what it was. And I think, like, as much as I'm bagging out him being on it, there's the way it was filmed at certain scenes where it was like just the half top body and like him shooting backwards or some shit that was fine but as soon as they show full body and him kind of doing the barrel rolls and shit i'm just like please stop like don't make this any mm -hmm. worse than it needs to be yeah because his movements were pretty unco oh it just didn't look right uh, there's a point that didn't. just before just before the centurion bit is when they're going through that door and he rips the he rips the uh, metal door, the metal bar door off. And his and sword he, falls off. And his sword and cape falls off, but the very next mm -hmm. scene, he's yep. all back on. It's completely back on. I'm like, <laughs> when did he get time to put it all on? <laughs> yeah, that was one of the big stuff-ups that the director acknowledged after the movie was made. And this is like 20 years later. He was hoping that people wouldn't pick up on that, but it was, it was clear as day when you rewatch it. Yeah. Or when the... It is it, and I don't know if you've noticed, but when there's a um, when he's on a centurion, um, and they like he's close to the street, 
Mm. You can actually the, the street's wet. If you look closer, you can actually see the tire tracks of the car that he's been like driven on. Oh they, god, I've got to have a look. Car out. Oh, I didn't even notice you that. You can still see the tracks in the water. <laughs> but you know what? The editing process back then, like no one gave a shit. No one's looking for problems in the shots. Like you think about it, how many movies do you look back through the eighties and go, "Oh well." I saw that and I saw that and that, what a stuff up that was. You're not watching it for that shit. You're watching it purely for entertainment value. I mean, back then, you got to remember, back then, like, we're seeing these new movies now and we're like, fuck, this is amazing CGI, blah, blah, blah. But back then, that was amazing CGI and amazing exactly. Uh, exactly. special effects. So exactly right. people our age back then were watching that going, fuck, this is an amazing movie. It's so mad. It's so amazing. You know, action, blah, blah, blah. They didn't, you're right. They didn't give a shit. Cause so overawed with the amount of special effects and how amazing the movie is. And it's not until what? It's, what is it? 32? 80, 87 it came out. So 30, 33 years old. So it's 33. It, no, 33 years later, people are going, oh, that, well, that didn't age real well, did it? With the special effects. I still think it's great. It is. Yeah, but then you look at most movies from the 80s and, and beyond, majority of them, you look at them now, they don't hold up. But, but for the time, they were brilliant. But do you know what the problem is now? Everyone's a film critic. Everyone thinks they're a professional film critic that they sit... No, 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 Tony. Like, we do a show where, obviously, we critique films, but we're never, ever going to take away from the fact of... If the movie was done in the 80s or 90s, you can say that, okay, well, look, you know, the CGI wasn't fantastic or anything, but it's not like everyone that watched it, you know, 30 years later wouldn't acknowledge that. It's the fact yeah. that we can appreciate it for what it was, that it was back in that time, and we're not going to sit and drill and critique the movie till there's nothing left of it because, oh, we're standing, sitting on our high horse because we're film critics. We're not like that. You know, we can appreciate a movie when it's purely entertainment value, but when there's also got more to offer. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. Now, Kurt, I, I've got some... I need to air my grievances with the movie. What's new? Tony's <laughs> always up. got fucking grievances about everything. Quiet, you bumbling fool! <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to air my grievances. I, here, okay? I need to air my grievances, so fucking let me have my moment. Go. All right. So, well, I'm re-watching it today to brush up, and I took some notes. Tony, you freeze okay? like a motherfucker then. One of the things that annoyed me. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, anyway, so, first thing off, off the rank. Why does Skeletor have fangs? Tony, He's they're just fangs. large in sizes. <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're bigger than just the size. Okay, they're so this is where fangs. I know how picky you are. So maybe I'll imply that whole last statement that I made about movies to myself, not to you, because you're picking on someone's teeth. I worry for the girl that you Shut end up, up dating. Shut up, I'm worried about the girl you end up dating, bro, because you're going to be like, oh, my God, she's got a unibrow. Like, look at it. There's a couple of hairs in between her eyebrows. Why is one nipple higher than the hashtag other? Y literally. Hashtag, hashtag forever alone, hashtag failure. Hashtag Finbad has cancer. Anyway. <laughs> oh, fuck, not that again. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to regret that for the rest of my days. It's also the director. But they seriously need to do something about his picture, okay? They really need to do something about Sinbad's profile picture on IMDb. For the love of God. <laughs> it's anyway, since when? Like, so remember the, the one of the Mercs? Yeah. Park? 
why or who made him the leader of the mercenaries? But why is that an issue? Like, they're mercenaries. There shouldn't be any sort of hierarchy. They're high You're talking in, about high hierarchy of mercenaries. Tony, how deeply did you look yes. into this? A bit too oh much, apparently. God. There's always one mercenary higher than the other. If you're going to hire a bunch of mercenaries and they're going to work together, you need one person that is the point that can control them all. Otherwise, it's just pure chaos. Each mercenary is going to do what they fucking as want. As if that was Korg. Huh? As if that was Korg. He was the fucking shittest one of the lot. Oh, he had the best he hairdo. did nothing. He had the he best did hairdo. Nothing. Who would you have elected? Not to mention the gratitude. I reckon probably should have been either Blade or oh shit, what was his name? I'm sorry, Blade um, was dumb as shit. Pred uh, the Predator, the Predator. He couldn't even speak, and well, he never got dumb. a chance to speak. I'm sorry, Greg was he was good because he could yell, he could direct, uh, he could direct where they go. I mean, if he did, he he might not have done anything, but what he did was direct them. I mean, Tony, well, he, he did. Were you the stand-in for Beast Man? <laughs> I, may <have> <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I may have been. Uh, wasn't oh, yeah. Oh, Sarod. That was his name, Sarod, the Predator. Yes. And he didn't even last. He didn't even last. I know Sarod was your favorite Merc, Brad. Yeah, I, I like him. I'm just cursing that he died too soon. Yeah, that's true. You're fucking melted by Skeletor. Um, all right. Since when did Castle Grayskull become so pretty? Oh. Interpretation. Oh, interpretation. This is what I was trying to say with your first your first grievance is it's the director and the writer's interpretation. I mean, they're free. I mean, this, you sit there and you talk about why they didn't do Prince Adam and everything like that. It's exactly the same point. It's their interpretation and what they wanted to get to. All right. Okay. In the in the no. in, cast, Grey Grey Skull was very small in the in the um. In the animation, it was it was a really a nothing castle, uh, if you yeah. if you remember. Uh, they've made it big and brash because it was a focal point of the movie. Yeah, but Great to have like a marble all over the, the place. Pardon? To have marble all over the place? What did they get? Italian designers to come and drudge up the place? Do, do you know? Do you, okay, I'm going to air my grievance now. Tony, Go is it with the movie or is it with me? You. Get <laughs> no, because, like, here, you're talking about the layout of Castle Grayskull. Oh, my God, it's Italian marble over in that corner. No, because when you think about it right, again, my first point, who cares? But I do! But at the end of the day, like, if I put a script in front of you and I said, go and make this movie, right? Yeah. You are going to... Obviously, work off the source material, correct? 100%. Okay, so when it comes to freedom of expression as a director and like what Chris was saying about interpretation, where's the leeway for you to have that? So you are going to work primarily off the source material and not deviate whatsoever and you're going to have essentially just a live action of everything that everyone's already read just on screen. Well, the thing is not everyone's read it. No, but where's the element of freedom of interpretation and creating a new idea like that there's a difference between interpretation and freedom of changing ideas and just changing it for the fuck of it to make it i don't know just to change it because so is your is your next is your next grievous gonna be because of this why they why they why didn't they put orko in it no i actually found out as to why orko's not in it do tell 
from what I understand and from what I've read up, it was major problems with basically budget. They didn't have enough money in the budget for CGI to create Orko. Because they spent it all on the Italian marble. <laughs> Pretty much. But that's why we have Guildo. Guildo <laughs> in the movie. Sorry, Orko's who? Who? Guildo. Guildo? Guildo. You mean Guildo? No, it's Guildo. Guildo? What? Uh, Tony, you know how many times I've watched this movie. Did you watch it today? Of course I did. I literally just finished as we started this. Oh, did you now? It's Guildo, <laughs> bro. It's not Guildo. He's not a little wog designing Italian marble in Castle Grayskull. Well, he might have been. Fuck, <laughs> for all I know. Who knows what he was doing before the movie? Locksmith, my ass. He was a fucking stonemason. No, he went to Robbie's to get some chicken wings with you as Beast Man. And then he, he knew he had no... <laughs> Robbie? Robbins? Didn't you just watch today? Ro Robbie's wings. It's Robin's Oh, thing. fuck. Robbie's ribs, isn't it? Robbie's ribs and wings. Yeah. 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 So he had a little bit of a lunch sesh with you um, as you were taking time off from working as Beast Man. And then he got the, the call. Bushes? No, no, no. Wait. And then he got the call for the Italian contract of Marble at Castle Grayskull. He's like, mate, this is a big contract. I'm out of here. Can you imagine that phone call, though? From, can you imagine <laughs> that phone call from Skeletor to go on, do the voice, go to the voice, ask, ask, him, ask him to do it. I need Marble Arthur at Castle Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Give me your best price. Nah, mate, don't do it. Sorry. Fuck it, Al. Okay, All what right. other grievances do you have, well, Tony, so I can shut right, you down? That's, that's, that's enough with grievances. What I will say, though, throughout the entire film, did you guys get the feel that it had a really heavy Star Wars influence? Yeah, I was going to bring this up. I was actually going to bring this up. It, it, it did have a massive feel to me. Like, I've watched the movie plenty of times, but when I was watching it today, I was like, holy shit, I'm now noticing the Star Wars things. Like, the... The, instead of the robot army he usually has, he's got the exactly black, you've got uh, like stormtroopers, stormtroopers, and even and even the end when Skeletor dies and he falls into that pit, exactly the same way Emperor Palpatine died in Return of the Jedi. Well, yeah, that Palpatine not very. Like there a you lot go. of heavy, a lot of heavy Star Wars influence, which I'm okay with that because it's like, all right, well, it works, and it was pretty much the main, I guess, sci-fi franchise of the '80s. So why not take influence from the, one of the most successful franchises around? And let's face it, it was pretty much a lightsaber fight at the end with the oh, yeah. sword and the staff being lit up. So, yeah, I did, I did notice the, um, even the music, if you, it, uh, even the music of He-Man in, in the movie had a slight Star Wars-y sound. And that might be because of the same guy who did Star Wars. Yeah, even when, when whenever Skeletor entered a scene or when the soldiers entered a scene, it almost had almost had a bit of an Imperial March sort of score going with it. I'm going to – sorry, Chris. I was just going to say, I think in terms of what the score brought to that movie, it took it up another notch with how good the music is in it. Like the deep-sounding orchestral like beats to it like you said, when Skeletor walks in, it just commands presence. The sound of it commands his presence. I loved it. I, like, I, I had a renewed appreciation watching it today and focusing on other elements of the movie, especially the music, compared to, you know, if I had to watch it a couple of years ago. It's not something I'm listening for. I'm just watching it for nostalgic value. But today I really focused on music. 
I'm not going to lie. It would have been, uh, I guess I was a little bit. Here we go. A little bit disappointed. Oh, but what's new? I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but it would have been cool for them to do, like again, that same orchestral theme like of that kind of like heavy notes and that commanding presence thing, but to the same melody of, let's say, for example, the music that's played when Skeletor entered a scene in the cartoon series. Like, do you, me- you remember what it sounded like, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, da-na, 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 da-na. that would have been cool to hear that, but with that, or- with that orchestra, that would have sounded pretty fucking cool. How's it go again, Tony? Just to get that, make I'm sure not- that's right. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I'm not falling for your jerkiness. Just something I want to I want to point out, Neil. Let's just take where you guys live, okay? Let's just take where you live now. If you were sitting there right now in your house. And a massive fucking ship with half a fucking army landed on your next door, door uh, next door neighbor's fucking front lawn. They all got out, trashed the fucking house, and got back in it, and left. Wouldn't you be out in the street going, "What the fuck happened?" Is the yeah. is the neck thing still on me, or has that been taken off? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have the neck thing on. You're just you're just sitting in your house, and I'm just me. I'm just me. Yeah, because okay, the whole thing, the whole thing. No, even when they're storming the fucking city, like the the town, there's no one in the streets. No one in the streats at all. Like because they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're in quarantine lockdown. Not to be out of their houses before. No, it's curfew. So bad luck. If there's shit going on outside, stay inside. Five kilometer radius. Yeah. <laughs> What do you oh, think yeah, the that's... pink car was driving so fast? Because he was avoiding the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the pigs, back Lubick. <laughs> the best character in the movie. It's a shit name to begin with. <laughs> Fucking Lubick. But you know what? With Lubick, I can't stand him throughout the whole slack whole movie until we get to the scene where he's shitting himself behind uh, after they enter back into Castle Grayskull and he picks up his shotgun and he's like, I'm getting into this now. And he stands up and he just starts pumping people and like putting bullets into everyone. I'm like, all right, Lubick, you've got something about you, mate. What is it he says? He goes, right, no one's take, no one takes pot shots at Lubick. <laughs> That's right. No one takes pot shots at Lubick. You know what the thing is? He double, he triple pumps the shotgun. And fast two shots. Now, he would have had any ammo in it if he triple pumps the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> that thing only carries so much, and he's already like, he, he's shooting, he's shooting people and killing them with ammo he doesn't have. He unloaded like 10 bullets without a reload. And in my head, I'm just like, praise to the editing gods for that one. Or all the editing. I love the editing of um, when uh, He Man's he's getting the whip. He's having the slashed at him, and he actually oh. flinches and goes ah before the, the, yeah. before the oh the, I know he's yeah. whipped. <laughs> Wait, but d- have you seen that scene when they're on the rooftop and they're all trying to like hold down He Man? And there's the one guy that goes to <laughs> jump the fire, <laughs> but collects <laughs> ends up on everyone <laughs> stacked so bad. Uh, what he fell over? Oh man, looks good. <laughs> leave it in. I guess we won't reshoot that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it in. It looks natural. 
We've only got one take, guys. That's it. Only one take. <laughs> they must have been running out of, like, actual film to shoot that shot again because that is an epic stuff up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's I something I like- imagine Tony doing. <laughs> I was too busy running around with fur all over my head. No, but you would have tripped, farted, and then fell. <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. You don't, think, sorry. <laughs> you don't think I would have tripped first and fell and then farted? Either way, it doesn't matter. I know you're farting on the way down. That would be dangerous. It was fire right near it. Tony, how would, like, if you were Skeletor as he fell and he farted, what would he say? <laughs> Come on. Give me something here. Oh. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Skeletor would say. Scared me, think- man. I poofed. <laughs> no, I hope I die. I hope I die after that. Excuse me, hey, man. I poofed. You know what? Yeah, real- just, just ignore me. He. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I'm glad I couldn't come up with anything Because now anything that I could have said Would have been better than oh, that No doubt, no doubt Do you find that in that scene though Like after they take him away Skeletor becomes very I don't know Emotional, not emotional, that's the wrong thing He just becomes very soft, like less evil With the, the whole fight Like t- a couple of minutes after they take him away, how he's talking about don't kill the, the friends, let them rot. And he's just like, oh, very noble. He's calling, like, he meant very noble of you, everything, take him away. Like, what evil person says that to somebody? No, but how I think of it was, I know what you're getting at, but I feel like everything that he just witnessed was beneath him. Like, even raising his voice at that situation, it didn't even warrant it because he's well above that. He's God level. In his eyes. So, do it, you know, in terms of let them here to rot. Like, that's them, whatever. I don't need to think about that anymore. I have my He-Man as my slave now. That's my focus. All this other shit's beneath me. Let, let's get a move on. I just, that's how I saw it. Even so, you think that where he, he's like him seeing himself as like a god level and then they're nothing but mere ants to him. Pretty yeah, much. All that, when he, he goes to He-Man, he goes, He-Man... Um, you either die here with them or you, I take you as a slave and they can live on blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I will, you know, and he puts it out and gets cuffed and he turns around and goes, very well, He-Man, very noble of you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that just doesn't fit. But I find it was like pure sarcasm. Like, oh, how noble. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can see how it would be sarcasm, but just the way he, I think this is the way he delivered it. Uh, and, he, and his body language, it just, it didn't come off as pure sarcasm. It came off as like a bit and was like, oh, that doesn't fit Skeletor's kind of demeanor and the way he is. That, but that's uh, me. That's what I, inter- that's how I interpret it. I mean, yeah. I can see how it is, how it is sarcasm. And that's what I was going to He hasn't really portrayed it as sarcasm. It, it sounds, it sounds almost, you know, true. Like he really means what he's saying, the way he portrayed it. Yeah, no, I get you. I definitely get you. That makes sense. Can we just mention for a minute, off topic here, just the amount of luscious hair in this movie? Oh, it's it's next level 80s music oh. video film clip hair. It was amazing. Between Dolph's hair, yeah. Dolph's hair was on point. Um, who Man at Arms and Teela, they both have luscious hair. Courtney Cox. Courtney. Luscious but hair. you know what I loved about Courtney Cox? Like, this is something that. I love about 80s movies. Everyone's al natural. No one gives a shit. Like, Courtney Cox had 
bugger all makeup in that. Her hair was frizzy as shit, but it just her pay- eyes are popping. Oh, it pays homage yeah. to what the eighties were about. It was like it was about the movie. It was about the you know the acting. It was about all these other things. It wasn't about how beautiful the person was. And you know what? Even without the luck of makeup, she was still cute as a button. She's stunning. She was so like she was stupidly cute in that movie. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my love to Chelsea Field though, who played Teela. Um, oh god, she was so hot. She uh, she's hot. Um, and then you know, um, is it uh, oh, what's I, I forget last name? Her first name is Meg, who plays Evelyn. Meg Foster. Meg. Yeah, Foster. she was hot, man. Um, and she she's like. She is like a queen, uh, an underrated queen of horror and um, in slasher films. Um, Are we talking been, about Evelyn? Uh, uh, yeah, Evelyn, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she's been in like, um, was it uh, 31, all, Rob's, all the Rob Zombie movies um, and, and, and a few other. How many Rob Zombies movies have you watched, Chris? Uh, Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, both ha- uh, both Halloweens, and I think it's thirty one. What'd you think? I actually like him. I, I didn't do too, like, but I, I don't think like he's. Too. I didn't yeah, like no, I thought too. that was a waste of time. I'm in. A, I'm in. A, I'm an original Halloween fan. I mm. love my Halloween movies. To me, Halloween one and two are technically the only movies that exist. But Rob Zombie's one was. A great homage, and I liked it. Um, mm. Although the new Halloween movie that's come out is supposed to be a re, re uh, is a, supposed to be a redo of Number Two. It's so, amazing, amazing. I've heard what so I've heard that the original one and two is now it's it's just one, and then the new movie is now replacing Number Two in the in the in the grand scheme of things. They really tried to avoid the whole uh, Laurie Strode and. Michael Myers being brother and sister kind of situation. Like, it's just kind of a non-existent premise now. Like, that's just off the cards, especially with the new one that's coming out. That's they're avoiding that at all costs. Look, the, the other movies, the other movies were pretty good, but I just, I thought they got a bit off it. I mean, Halloween Resurrection, Halloween H2O. But do you know what? They yeah, paid homage right, but- to what was going on in the 90s at the time. Everyone was kind of doing the perfect slasher film, Scream. I yeah. think of that. I mean, let's, fa- let's face it, the best slasher film ever in existence has to be uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke, Brad. Face just Calm there. down. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you actually oh, saw his face. I have a heart attack. <laughs> he just stopped breathing. He was like... <laughs> I did. I actually forgot to take a breath. <laughs> no, uh, Freddy, J- Freddy versus Jason's good for a laugh. And I rewatched it like a week ago, and I-, I thought to myself, "Why was I so hard on it?" And then I watched it, and I was like, "I should have been even harder on this." Like, it's so bad. Oh yeah, it was shit. Um, oh. but it's, just good, it's just a good movie to watch for a bit of like a downtime or a bit of no. It, exactly. If that. you're stoned, watch it. <laughs> All right, Tony, back onto it. What other grievances do you have? I don't have any more grievances, just more observations. Please, what's your next observation, which will lead into a grievance inevitably? How, how oiled up was Dolph throughout the whole movie? Yeah, oh, but when you're r- running around as much yeah. as he is and jumping on he was, gravity. He was glistening. He was. Gonna have those pecs pumping. But, but it was glorious. 
Tony, can you do that to yourself one day and dress up in a He-Man outfit? No one wants to see that. <laughs> well, you start an OnlyFans and do that. <laughs> if I do that, they'll just be like, is that Beast Man? <laughs> oh, God. I want to know, I, I, something that always made me laugh is like every time, uh, every time Skeletor went on that big projection thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. talking to Eternia, every shot, there was always guards like this being arrested. I'm like, they had the fucking war for Greyskull. Fucking five days ago. <laughs> who, who are they still arresting? Yeah, it's a That's valid my... point. And why are, they in the same position? why are they all in the same pose every time he goes live? They're cutting on editing. Leave them be. <laughs> um, but I must say, in terms of what Frank Langella did with Skeletor, I love him as Skeletor. I love his voice. I love how the presence he has on screen. Um, I'm really, really concerned about what they do with the new He-Man and who they bring to the Skeletor role. All I'd like to say is I would vol- gladly volunteer to redub Masters of the Universe doing Skeletor's voice. No, but what why would you destroy it, Tony? I would make it even better. It'd be so shit. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> I know new He-Man's coming out. Would you rather... Would it rather a movie or would you rather it be a HBO or a Netflix show? No, movie. Uh, yeah, I'd still go on a movie, personally. Yeah. yeah. Not a live-action show? Because I don't think that the whole He-Man mythos and story would translate well as a series in this day and age. I don't think it would do well. The only thing I think it would, if they did it in the vein, I don't know if you guys have seen The Last Kingdom. It's yes. a series on Netflix. If, yeah. if they did it in the vein of that with kind of an overarching kind of gladiator feel, like that kind of vibe, I think it could potentially be something really fantastic, but then they'd have to throw the book and the whole budget at it. Like I'm talking billions of dollars to make that kind of shit right. Yeah, but I just think in this day and age for a character... There's not a market for it anymore. He-Man? It, you're right. There's no market for it anymore. No. Okay. You can just imagine the feminazis coming to fucking war. But you know what? My big problem, my big problem with this is because of a saturated superhero market, you bring in someone that's a cult classic hero of the 80s, people are going to look at that situation and laugh at it because it doesn't live up to the hype and the vigor that, you know, everyday, these days superheroes have. Like, how yeah. does that compete? It doesn't. Everyone from our era is going to look back and go, oh, my God, this is amazing. Look at the nostalgic value behind this. But all the young kids of today, you've lost that market because there's no appeal for them. You would need a really, really talented writing team to make this work. Hugely. It, it really is going to come down the to the Game of Thrones writer. Correctly. What's that, Chris? We'll just put the Season 8 Game of Thrones uh, writers on it. Apparently, they're out I of will- I will hang you from the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> Look, uh, if you if you guys, sorry to change the subject here, but if you guys if you guys could remake any eighties movie to redo it now, what eighties movie would it be? Or or any movie from back in the day? That's what really movie? simple for me. Never ending story. Remake it, as in stick true to the original. But I just think with what it could bring in terms of 
like the luck dragon, the CGI that they could do with, you know, the tortoise, all that kind of stuff, the emotional. So you know how traumatized I was when Artex died, right? They could make that moment so much worse for me that I'd have PTSD. If you were to redo it, though, would you allow Artax to die? Yes. You have to. You'd still have to die. I don't like movies that are all happy. It doesn't work. Give me some reality that life is shit because it is. And Artex dying destroys any semblance of soul I have left. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this then. It, just it, If you can't answer that, let's ask this question. What movies are off limits to redo which movies oh, are you like a lot. no please do not redo this movie and i think back to the future all back to future movies yeah back to the future is a big no-no for me do not touch them do not redo them um tango and cash for me you can't redo that no one would would want to redo it you can't but, you, but even if you were to attempt it you just you can't you know this I don't movie think you I don't want to do that I don't think you can get the chemistry that Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell had. Yeah, I'll give you one. L- Labyrinth. Don't ever, ever touch it. Nah. Nah, you're right. I agree. Um, and what's the one with Val Kilmer? Uh, oh, Willow. Yes, they are Willow. Don't, oh, touch is a bit of- don't touch Willow. Simple. Here is a bit of trivia. I played, what is it, Gildor? Gildor? Yeah. Gildor. He's the head... Um, magician, you know the guy that gives him the um, Willow. The um, you know how he goes to that. Uh, what am I trying to say? The the festival to yeah. learn the The older guy that says no, you're not going to be. That's the same guy. Oh, I didn't realize Billy that. Bart. Yeah, that's the same guy. Tony, what were you saying? But, yeah, but you know they are working on a sequel to Willow. No, I know. But what I'm saying is if. Don't remake. I don't mind if they do a sequel or a prequel or some kind of shit like that, but don't attempt to do the same movie again. Right. So, like, you see what happened with Chucky. <laughs> Child play. Please. Please. <laughs> Chucky had Botox and a facelift for the new one. It looks like they just looked, they took the dummy from Goosebumps and put it into a new movie. Literally. What's the- I'm going to back up. Willow, you're saying they're going to do a number two. Are they going to follow a Laura Dannon? Is that what the story is? They haven't fully announced kind of the extent of what the story arc is going to be like, but they said that majority of kind of how Willow ended is where they want to pick it up from. Mm. I'm interested. Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. Like, I don't mind a follow-up to see what they could do with it because that always left a lot for the imagination after Willow ended. But in terms of the actual original, don't touch it. There's actually a movie I want redone, but I also don't want redone. If they're Which gonna is? Redo it, I want it to be a slightly different story, and that's a uh, big trouble in Montana. Oh. <laughs> See, I wouldn't want to touch it. Question for you, though. On that point, obviously you can't get Kurt Russell to read no, prizes. No, I'll tell you the Who would you cast in his place? I'll tell you the backstory. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is actually a massive fan of the movie and wants to redo it, and he's trying to pay for the movie to be done and he'll be the lead. I can't see him being Jack Burton. Would they redo the uh, Snake Biscuit movies? So, no. God, I don't no. think so. Actually, you know what? Yes. Yes, I could see them redoing it. And if they're going to pick someone to cast as Snake Biscuit, Scott Eastwood. Oh, spot on, T. Spot on. That would be and pretty Do you know what I'm thinking? If they did something like that, 
imagine the way I Am Legend was filmed and create it in the same kind of post-apocalyptic world like that. Exactly. Yeah. So it could work. Yeah, it, it could. could be redone. Yeah, I'll give you that. Fuck yeah. And imagine Scott Eastwood playing Snake Plissken. I could imagine Scott Eastwood doing That'd a lot. Awesome. And because he's got the husky voice like his old man. Exactly. Yes, I agree. I just look him up. Um, I, can, I can already picture him in my head. Him in the Snake Plissken get out. He'd be he'd look fucking awesome. Have you seen who they've recast for He Man? Uh, no, I haven't seen who they picked. I, I'm not a fan. I'm just going to put it out there. I think they've made a real royal fuck up. Who is it? Uh, so I know him from the movies The Kissing Booth on Netflix. Um, and yeah, I'm not excited about it. I'm actually quite nervous. What's his name? N- Noah someone. I don't know. I need to see this. Yeah, have a look because I'm telling you, you are going to be extremely disappointed. Oh, shit. I'll look it up later. Yeah. So I'm a little bit devastated about that, but, you know, I'm not going to ruminate on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll pay first of all, first he plays. Jacob Elordi. Say again. He plays Noah Flynn in the, in the movie, doesn't he? Yeah. So this is. Uh, just to give you a, that's what he looks like. We got here. Uh, oh wait, they must. That that's a different one. I don't know how old that is. But yeah. that's, uh, that's the guy that's uh, that you're talking about. The guy I'm thinking, Noah Centino. Centineo. Oh, okay. Let me let me have a look. Yeah. If here, I'll uh, show you a little bit of an image. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, really? he, he doesn't look like uh, really? He's not He-Man. No. 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 So this no. is that there's my grievance for you, Tony. No. no why? No. Yeah. Ugh. So well, that's going to be a flop. I just wonder like what kind of budget that's been put into that? How the story is supposed to unfold? Are they going to make it dark and gritty and kind of you know, a battle epic or, like, how are they going to do it? Are they going to make it, like, more of that kind of superhero, you know, style that every movie these days is based on? Well, judging by what this guy looks like, they might even go the route of leaning more towards the origin of how Prince Adam became He-Man. Yeah, well, that's so something... More of his journey to obtaining that power. I don't mind that. This guy's got a bit of a smaller build and whatnot. Oh, no, no, no. You should see the photos of him now. Like, he has bulked up a shitload. Jacked, is he? He's jacked. Mm. Mm. But I can see, like, with what you're saying, T, that kind of works in that vein because they're not trying to recreate He-Man for the He-Man that we know. They're kind of, I suppose, branding a new style and looking at a completely different image of what he could become. Yeah. I'm going to give you a list, and I wanted you to give me a yay or nay when I say it, all right? So if they were to go with the full cast, like the cartoon, I want you to tell me, this is what my picks were, and for if they're going to cast Evelyn, Angelina Jolie. Uh, uh, But is Evelyn a little bit older? No, she's a bit younger. No, she was a bit younger, but older in the movie. Okay. I'm thinking like mid to late 30s. Okay, so I've got two people who I had in mind initially, Anne Hathaway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I ideally I'd love to see like a Michelle Pfeiffer play an evil queen like that. Well, she has. She has played an evil queen. Okay, Tony, I know this. This That's why I said if she was more in her prime, then yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll play that. Yeah, 
Okay, let me go to the next one. Trapjaw. Ron Perlman. <laughs> yes, but no. Yeah, I know. That's how Again, I feel. He's too old. Yeah, but Trapjaw, you don't know how old he is. He's, he's all mechanical. So Yeah, but, but, part, but part of his face is still human. Yeah, but CGI oh. these days. I mean, look, he's great as Hellboy. Anyway, anyway, I move on. I move on. The Sorceress, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Yeah, that I works. That definitely works. Yeah. Me man. Man. Merman? Merman. We've got to have Andy Serkis. Merman! <laughs> and what about Andy Serkis? Well, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. no matter who gets to play as Merman, they just need to be able to do the voice and pretty much do the mocap. Exactly. Really. So you could just get virtually anybody. To do it, and I'm gonna go. A, I'm gonna go a double duo. I'm gonna go a duo everyone already likes with these two. Uh, Mechanic and Buzz Off. It's got to be Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Shoot but here's up. here's one for you. Whether they put whether they were to put him in the movie or not, Stratos, Joe Butler. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. Yeah, Shira, Shira, Jennifer Lawrence. Works, yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, I can see that. Ram Man, Michael. <laughs> Who? Michael Shannon. Um, so you would know him. Would you know uh, Michael Shannon from? He's been in a heap. If you look him up, you'll know. You'll know who he is. Michael Shannon. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's got the head for it. <laughs> Fisto. Fisto. You can't say that name without laughing. Come on. Fisto. With a giant fucking fist. Come on. Fucking hell. <laughs> Is it Mantena? Mantena? Huh? Mantena? Yeah. Steve Buscemi. I guess. And Triclops? That'd be Channing Tatum. Man, he's good at comedy. I reckon that would be I reckon that'd be good. I reckon Yeah, but but you think that, that would, like, if they were, were going to do this, I don't see it being a comedy. Well, I don't know. There, I, I feel there would be a slight element of comedy. What do you reckon, Brad? Do you think there'd be a slight element of comedy in the movie? And we're basing this off the cartoon. Yeah. If, if they well, no, based the movie off the cartoon. Wait, sorry, what? Who said what? I thought, I thought we were going off more of a, a reimagining. In a reimagining, I'd want to steer clear, as far clear of comedy as possible. Like yeah, the yeah. vibe that the Dark Knight is, that's what I want from it. Yeah, you want a yeah. dark, gritty Masters of the Universe. Hundred percent. I think it could expand into the most epic franchise ever. Like yeah, exploring all the different potential storylines that you know, different battles that He Man was a part of, and all that kind of situation, and you know, essentially have kind of a Lord of the Rings basis in terms of having like a three part movies, and it's all three different battles. It so just, then, would you have you wouldn't have Skeletor as uh, an absolute main protagonist? Then yes, the yes, I would. One. I would, and I'd have him as kind of like the Sauron of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. So okay. would, would you set it up more like uh, the Avengers, where um, he's he's kind of in the background of the first couple of movies, then he becomes prominent in like the third or fourth movie? 
Yeah, so like in terms of all the mercenaries, I'd have them kind of as generals throughout the movies. So He-Man works through getting through each of the generals in order to get to the head honcho, which will inevitably be um, Skeletor. Skeletor! Hey, He-Man! Um, so <laughs> that's kind of how I'd proposition the idea of doing a three-part movie. Him going through like Zarad and all these guys, but on you know, a much grander scale in terms of what they're about, progressing to a stage in the last of the third film, him and Skeletor having this massive showdown. Yeah. That'd be cool. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. I just hope they stay clear of the, I guess, the the normal superhero um, tribe. Things that the, the, you've seen in all these movies, which are just repeated and repeated and repeated. I want them to bring something new. Okay, so when you say bring something new... What would you bring? I don't know. Like, dark and gritty, it, it hasn't been really done. Well, like I said it's to Tony, I've, I've had this theory for a really long time. When it comes to superheroes, like, Tony's a big, big fan of, like, Doctor Doom and stuff. I'd like to see, instead of constantly, you know, this, this is the thing. Because Marvel props superheroes up so high, the only way I ever see DC compete would be to pursue a line of looking at the villains and do villain movies because make them dark, make them gritty, make them gory, make them bloody. Have an edge on um, the Avengers, which they can't touch because you think about it, if you start making movies like that where the villains are quite graphic and gory and all that, you're then filtering into a horror audience, which is a massive, massive market now. So you're not only getting the superhero fanboys and fangirls and whatever, you're then getting a horror audience because it's like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're used to the conventional horror, but there's this kind of whole new thing of genre mashing. So mm. I just think there's a, an appeal to look at the darker side of humanity. Why, did Joker, why was Joker so successful? Why was the Dark Knight so successful? Yes, Batman, but then there was also the element of the Joker again. So it's kind of the dark side of humanity needs to be explored a lot more in the superhero genre than what we typically typically get with Marvel, which is constant fluff in my books. Well, you, you're right in saying that with the whole Joker, with Heath Ledger's Joker, where they, they actually focused a lot on him in that movie. Mm. They focused on the Joker. And I think that's why it becomes so popular is because he wasn't just a villain that just showed up during a fight or in the background or was, you know, referenced and then something has it, he's there. It actually followed what he was doing, how he was doing it, why he was doing it. It showed a, a showed all the different sides of him. Yeah, and it was going into the deeper more, psyche. It was, it was almost like a reversal. It was like, it was more, that movie was more based on the Joker and then, Bane was kind of the person who just showed up at the at the right time or, you know, kind of showed up when the fight needed to be done or whatever like that. And that's what I liked about it is that they showed a different side, a different darkness to it. And in, in the world today, people uh, people were so used to violence and everything like that that we almost need we almost need that every movie to go darker and push a little deeper into into like violent and everything like that because that's what people want because they're seeing all these i do have an interesting um psychological point to this though i think you can go as dark and dark as you want in terms of 
those kinds of movies. I don't mind like whether DC or Marvel that make that decision to go really, really dark. But I think one of the most important ingredients for those movies, and I think why Endgame did so well and Infinity War did so well, is because the installation of hope. If you retract hope out of a superhero movie, it loses what essentially a superhero stands for, which is the hope that things will get better and, you know, that kind of situation. So I don't mind how deep and dark the rabbit hole gets, but there needs to be that element and focus on hope at the end of it, that there's something that's going to get better. I think that's just part of the formula that they've established. So in saying that, though, but you're you're saying that you want a villain Movie. Yeah, I do. I do. So you're still saying there's got to be some kind of hope within that villain movie? Because the primary focus, like, yeah, th- this is what I'm saying. The Joker movie, the standalone one, why did we feel that innate sense to feel sorry for him? Where is that clash of, well, what he's doing is wrong, but there's an element of why, shit, I feel bad for him. Like, this guy went through a lot. So there's a sense of hope that he might turn out for the good. I'm not saying that the ending is going to end up with hope in it, but what I'm saying is there needs to be an element of hope that filters through the scenes or the movie itself to kind of give it the complexity of the human condition. So, so you're, so you're yeah, saying yeah. it's always got to have that, is he, it's, it's always got to have that, is he going to do the dark side? Is he going to go light side until the very end? And then you're like, boom, oh, wait, I didn't see that. I thought he was going to become good. Yeah, well, like you, you look at it and like, you know, one of the kind of pinnacle pieces of that, especially in today's cinema, you know, Kylo Ren, like, is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? Is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? Um, and then there's uh, Anakin, that whole, I never thought he was going to turn the worst. Like, I, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I'm just saying, like, when he turned bad, I was devastated. Think but that's Exactly. So there's this kind of sense of the human condition of, you know, making these big executive decisions for yourself. Am I going the good side or am I going the bad side? And I think it's a continuous fight in the human person today that when a film represents that, there's so much more complexity to like what the themes and the story is about than if they have just this standard good guy who does good things and then awesome, you know, it's done. Yeah. Mm. And I think this is where Marvel got things right. Let's say, for example, what my, the best example I can think of is Thanos. Yeah, 100%. Right? You really saw it in Infinity War where even though what he was doing was bad, his plan and his, I guess, his reasoning for doing it made sense. Yes. And you kind of walk away from it going, wait a minute, I mean, it's bad, but it does make a valid point. It's like Marx, uh, Marx is, it's like communism. Great in theory, shitty in practice. Yeah, true. But you made like you were made to feel like what he was trying to do made sense, and it's like you know what? That's actually, it's not the worst idea. It kind of makes sense as to why he would want to do it. And interesting, T. Like on top of what you're saying, you think about Rob. Rob loves Thanos, right? Yeah. <laughs> but interesting, <laughs> okay. interesting yeah. point to this. Why does he like Thanos? Because of the complexity of his character. He's not the conventional bad guy because there's a, se- no. a sense of attachment to him. You feel for him because you think, well, I kind of get why you're doing it, but you may have gone about the execution in the wrong way. So this is what I'm yeah. saying. It's a, a really layered character. Especially yeah. especially the whole him having to kill 
his, his daughter. daughter. Yeah. And, and now much that ate him up where he didn't want to do it, but he knew for him to go forward and get what he set out to do, this is what he has to do. And tell me you didn't feel for him at that part. Oh, yeah. Like, you're like, you got it. You're like, wait, I hate you because you killed Gamora, but I feel for you because you had to kill Gamora. Yeah, like, yeah. It's almost like he had no choice because he knew what he wanted and he had to achieve it, and this was the only way he was going to achieve it. Correct. And that was the choice he had to make. And, like, you, you are felt, you, you know, you they the writers dragged that out of you. You know, they, yeah. they kind mm. of humanized Thanos in certain parts of each movie. And that's what well, I... They basically showed us him virtually cutting out his own heart, really. Yeah. Because Gamora was really the only one that he had an actual, I guess, an actual, like, he cared for her. He actually did care for Gamora. He was, he was the only person, or she was the only person that he gave a fuck about. And, and like, what I said to Tony as well is, Throughout the kind of Marvel progression of movies, you know, the Thors and Black Panther and all this kind of stuff, I reiterated to Tony numerous times. I'm like, there is no element of the human condition in a lot of these characters. Like, I find it's very one-dimensional, you know. But then in, in Infinity War and Endgame, you start to gauge a different depth of character, like a lot of character development. Um so for me, I think that's why I kind of was like, this is the direction they need to go in because this works because the characters were complex. They weren't one-dimensional superheroes of, oh, we need to save the world. This is how we're going to do it. This is, I need to grieve and deal with what's just happened in order to move forward. So that's what I love. I also want to give props to Josh Brolin because the way he portrayed. Huge. And amazing. Just fucking. Yeah, if you told me that was so many years ago that Josh Brolin was going to play Thanos, I would have gone, nah, nah, I don't, I don't see it. But I could not see him as, I couldn't see anyone else playing Thanos but him now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I get the same feeling. Yeah. So I guess, in a way, if they're going to redo Masters of the Universe, you'd want to give Skeletor the same complexity. Yes. That was given to Thanos. 100%. I'd love to see that. Like, I don't know who I would get to do that, um, but I just feel like it'd have to be a method actor without question. Yeah. I would like to see it be kind of not, I guess, give it that kind of Thanos feel to it, but it be of a mix of Thanos and what they did with Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I love the idea. A mixture of those two premises to make skeleton. Yes, I'm. I'm all for that. I feel. I feel like they're. I feel like they're exactly the same character. <laughs> Bane of, to be honest, in a way, in a way, but they're they're similar but different in their own way. I I like Bane's kind of backstory, like of utilizing that to find his strength, and then I'd have you know that element of Thanos being the ever conquering, like I'm untouchable kind of situation. I'd want to kind of join those and juxtapose that kind of idea of I've gone through heartache, I know what it means to be human, but I am a, a god now. This is where I stand and I'm untouchable. Do you think if they were going to reboot the franchise, make it, like you do obviously an origin movie to show Prince Adam becoming He-Man, yeah. but do you think they would also benefit from doing an origin for Skeletor as well? I'd like that. I think that'd be great. There's, there's so no, that's why I think it's just think that's why I think a show 
would be so much better because they'd be able to do that. They'd, they'd be able to split their time between showing the backstory of both through episodes. Um, and, but and unless that's why you get the right play. writers to do it, yeah. that's where the problem lies. Yeah. Because yeah. it's such an important piece of cinema that if you got potentially, you know, people, writers to do the first season amazingly and then you have a train wreck season eight Game of Thrones situation for the second season, mm. then it's like, well, you've just destroyed what was something so special for so many people. That's my concern. Yeah. You're 100% right. Like, I'm totally on board with you on yeah. that point. Because there's nothing worse than laying all the groundwork in, the let's say, the first two seasons only for it to be ruined yeah. with wrong writers. And then it just, the whole series gets fucked. Yeah, no, I'm all for that. And, and do you know what? I think that's a chronic problem these days, like finding the right writers to do the right movies. And to keep them committed to, to actually finishing what they started correctly. But then the problem is you got to question how much politics of producers, directors, uh, film companies have a say in what is essentially getting put out. The writers will write their material and then it's like, well, we, we want to uh, target this and this is kind of our marketing audience. And it's like there are so many variables that come into play in a situation like that. It's like it's so convoluted. Just look at it. And I think in a way it's also down to writer integrity as well. 100%. It's not, because let's say let's take the Game of Thrones writers, for example, right? Did brilliantly up to, let's say, season five, mm -hmm. right? Show was brilliant. Then, obviously, because the show was getting so much attention and getting so much critical acclaim, the writers got offered different jobs. And then because they're getting their different jobs, like, oh, it almost, to me, it felt like... Less care like, was put right, into uh, it. But, yeah, we're gonna less, gonna care less, gonna get this over and done with, so we can fuck this off and move on to the another project. It's like no, 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 no. We need you to focus all your efforts onto what you're doing now and finish this right. Yeah. Don't fuck it. But then yeah. the point is that writers can do as much as they want, but then any other can disregard anything they want. Just take the justice like this. And you've got the Snyder cut coming back out, right? So uh, he had he had he had this movie completely wrapped up, ready to go, and then when he left because of fam the family issue he had, Josh Whedon came in and absolutely ripped to pieces and changed numerous scenes because he didn't like what Snyder did. He didn't yeah. like certain things Snyder did, and he re he went and rewrit scenes, rewrit the script pretty much. And then we got yeah. that botched piece of shit we we ended up with. So I'm I'm yeah. so looking forward, so looking forward to this Snyder Cut that comes out on HBO Max. You see, this is something this is something we discussed last week, uh, Brad and I, because we brought this. I actually brought this question up. I didn't get it. Well, I posed this question to Brad, but my thoughts on the whole Snyder Cut thing is like everyone's so excited to see what this movie's going to be, but did every has everyone forgotten Batman versus Superman? Snyder did that. That was all him. And that was garbage. I don't care what anyone says about Batman versus Superman. That was garbage. All right. Now, having that in the back of my mind, thinking, oh, the Snyder cut's going to be better. I'm like, no, it might not be because what he did last was fucking shit. Yeah. So, yeah, how's this going to be any better? Yeah, fair but enough. Tony, like, again, I think one of the most important things for, like, taking an objective standpoint in this 
is you are very biased in your interpretations because your affinity with Batman. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. I think his portrayal of Batman in Batman vs. Superman, I was okay with that. Okay. I, I didn't hate it, all right? It's more so how I feel like he just tried to fucking – he just tried to bunch too much into one movie. Yeah, of course. That, that, that's a he given. Basically tried to, he tried to, to mash in Dark Knight Returns and the death of Superman in one movie. Yeah. That was a big mistake. Yeah, yeah. All right? Those are two huge storylines that should have had separate movies for themselves. Okay? But I don't know. It just feels like everyone – like I'm hoping that I'm wrong and I'm hoping that the Snyder Cut exceeds my expectations. I really do. But I'm not getting my hopes up. Yeah, which is fair enough. I might see you off here, but what do you think about Robert Pattinson being the new Batman? Don't ask Tony. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I'm not a fan of him, but I'm not, I'm not reserving any judgment as of yet. I'll wait for the movie to come out before I make my judgment. They need to meet. Because, because he might surprise me. They I have no idea. a movie of The Killing Joke, not an animation, a proper movie nah. of The Killing Joke. No, nah. nah, I don't think so. I don't think The Killing Joke needs a, needs a movie. Because it's not that long of a story. You're going to dr- drain it out and add more shit like they did in the cartoon version than The Killing Joke actually is. The Killing Joke's actually a pretty short story. It's not long. So if you were going to take just The Killing Joke story, the, the story's only like half an hour long. It's not long. So turning it into a movie, you're just going to put a bunch of unnecessary shit in there that's just like, it's just there because to fill in the time. There's no point. But anyway, Masters of the Universe... Even after watching it after all this time, I know about you boys, I still love I it. I love it. Look, Hands I, down. I love the cartoons. I loved the cartoons. I grew up on them. And as you can tell, I still hold them really close to my heart. But even so, as different as this movie was, I still love yep. it. Yeah, I agree. I still love it. Yeah, because, yeah, it, like, for as cheesy and, I guess, in parts corny as it was, it was still great. 100%. It's still one you can watch, that you can just sit down and watch and you enjoy it every time you watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bodysuit and G-string just get me every single time. Who, sorry? Teela's bodysuit and G-string get oh, me every single time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Woof. Pigs. <laughs> Fuck off. You thought the exact same thing. Uh, Tony, I'm not focusing on that. Yes, you are. Don't lie. No, it's your sick, perverted mind being under the bridge with the eight-year-olds. Coming from you. you. Coming from you. Well, I don't have eight-year-olds captured under a bridge, do I, bro? <laughs> Fuck if I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to his house next week. <laughs> oh, God. Well, there we go, lads. That's um, it's a wrap. That's, that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so if you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, iTunes or whatever other platform that you use. Also follow us on our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a 1, Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue podcast, and the Generation Random Network Facebook page as well. Have you plug the shows in the network? Chris? Chris, do you want to plug Oh, okay, sorry. You, networks? you, you, you see, you went, uh, you, you totally froze up on me. I didn't everything you said. Um, no, it's all right. Uh, no thanks, but thanks, but no thanks is a uh, is my show, which is going to have the first episode um, drop uh, after this is dropped. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scales and Generation uh, Random, go uh, check them out on the Random Network where you find all uh, all these two guys 
stuff. Um, also, you can like it on Facebook as well. And then go check out uh, the Rabona and Ibiza on uh, Twitch. They're uh, great guys. Give them a follow as well. Guys, um, it's been an absolute uh, amazing time here talking about this and getting right into it and um, just seeing live how Brad rips shreds off, uh, off Tony. Um, <laughs> It's don't worry, don't worry. Been, His turn will come. Amazing. Don't worry. His turn will come. Don't worry. <laughs> Tony, you've been <laughs> saying that for years. Like, I feel like it's just going to be me and Brad. Fucking smug bastard. Yep. Um, well, Tony, do you want to plug yourself? Well, yeah, yeah sure. So if you want to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at tboner80figs. That's T B O N E R H C O G S. Fuck you. Um, you can also follow me on Snapchat at T Boner18. D O G. What about yourself? And myself at Brattles2505. That's B R A D E L S 2505. Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat all at the same handle. Uh, Chris, what about yourself, mate? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't have any socials with. It's just a yeah. Just get me on the Facebook with a generation. <laughs> the social influences. So, so you don't have social presences. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really. I mean, you can get me on the Discord and uh, and everything like that. Uh, and, and yeah, nothing really else. I don't. I don't really put myself out there. Yeah, and we'll be sure to post links on our social media pages to the Discord. So if you guys want to jump in, have a chat with either me, Brad, or Chris, or any of the other Generation Random family, um, you can jump in and fucking have a chat with us. That's it. I do. A, I do a radio. I do a radio show every Friday and random, and I've got competitions going at the moment where you can win numerous prizes. So jump in, request songs, go for it. Tony's on there sometimes, listening to some heavy, heavy music. Amazing. Only the brutalest of metals. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for another week. Um, uh, just so- before we go, I was just going to say, yeah. just saw yeah. Justice League, the Snyder Cut trailer teaser's been released. So just- I'm guessing, they- I'm assuming they're going to be showing it at the DC Fandom Expo. Okay. Well, this is done by it's HBO be- Max. Okay. So um, have they already released it, have they? I'm going to have a look now and then I'll post it in the Facebook page if they have. Excellent, excellent, and um, and uh, we'll be obviously posting a lot of news that's going to be coming out on the twenty second. Again, like I said, for the DC Fandom Expo, um, a lot of a lot of DC stuff's going to be announced and shown. So um, just be sure to keep an eye on our social media pages for all the incoming news because it's going to be a lot of shit. Yep. Rightio. So I guess until next time, fucking up. Good journey. <laughs>